Hey, U-Turners, I am really excited to share today's news with you. For the first time in years, after not being called to do this, I'm finally inspired to host a small, intimate mastermind group for life coaches and career coaches. Whether you're new in your business or you're at the six-figure mark or you're trying to get there and you want to scale it up and make more of an impact, I really want to help you both with your mastery in your transformational coaching and also with scaling your business and your personal brand. I've been there before. I know where you're at in all levels of career and life coaching businesses, and I'm just so honored to invite you to be applying to this mastermind group. Enrollment is going to be taking place over the next few months. So I hope that you apply. Just head on over to ashleystahl.com slash app. That's ashleystahl, A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash A-P-P, and it will forward you to the mastermind application. I am so excited to be helping those of you who are inspired to really master your coaching frameworks and really transform lives with scaling your business, making an impact, and really being fulfilled with what you do. It's my honor. Again, head on over to ashleystahl.com slash app to apply, and we'll be enrolling soon. Now let's get in to this week's episode. There's always, in my view, two philosophical approaches around do, managing career during uh, what I would call kind of a crisis moment or an inflection point in either your industry, in the market, in the world. And I find two kinds of people. People who look at that as like, this is the perfect go time. There is so much change happening around me. It's the perfect time to embrace the change, find my mojo, find those companies that are also prepared to go through sort of transformations and find my skill set. Or you've got people kind of on the other end that say, this is very, change is scary. And what I really want to do right now is kind of find that sense of security, batten down the hatches and, you know, really stay, stay put in and excel in my current role. So I think the first stop on that, on, on what to do and how to manage your career is to figure out which of those people you are. What's going on, U-Turn friends? I'm so excited to shake things up today in the work category. I'm bringing on Antonia Hawk. She is the global head of the Ritz-Carlton Leadership Center, where she leads a dynamic advisory business focused on the best principles from Ritz-Carlton on innovating customer experience for clients worldwide. She comes from a technology-driven background and has so much to offer around the topic of resilience. And I know if any of us need something in our jobs right now, in our work right now, it's to be freaking resilient because we are probably sitting at home and I was just telling her I'm going stir crazy over here. So Antonia, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about this. Thanks, Ashley. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. And this topic is one that uh, certainly resilience is something I'm practicing a lot of right now. I think we are, we all are. And it's been such a unique opportunity this year to continue to grow that muscle. Uh, I feel it's front and center for so many of us. Absolutely. And I mean, it never gets old and it never is unneeded. And so I know that before we started recording, we were talking about just how there can be some disconnect around what even is resilience and what the definition of it is for anyone. So I'm curious, like, how did this topic become interesting to you? Why were you led to think about, talk about, reflect on resilience? And how do you define it? So for me, resilience is really 
critical and central to so much of our lives, whether professional or personal. And, and it's been for me a real cornerstone of what has driven my success. And I don't mean that in the broadest sort of institutional word of success. I mean that in the, the sense of like, what has brought me the most fulfillment, um, the most meaning in my life. It's those times when I've been resilient. And for me, resilience is all about how do you thrive? How do you grow through adverse circumstances? How is it that when something comes into your life and you have options, um, you take the path to, to towards um, grit, towards courage, towards working through the, your circumstances, and then coming out the other side. And I think what's given me a lot of, of purpose and meaning in that is that sense of satisfaction. Even when you don't drive the best outcome, the fact that you went through the process uh, and you took the path is what drives a lot of that, that meaning and that happiness for me. So mm -hmm. I've had a lot of time to reflect upon it, especially this year. Right. Finding your happiness, finding your meaning, um, rising through adversity is something I think we've all had to do this year. Mm -hmm. And when you reflect on someone right now who is maybe listening to this in their working from home, and I know the average worker, I was just reading a study by Asana, that nine out of 10 workers worked later in 2020 um, than they did in 2019. And then I also read that nine out of 10 are burnt out 89% to be exact. And so it's like, where is that line between be resilient and you need a break? And how do you kind of decide when it's time to say, I need to be more resilient. I need to, and, and, and how do you, where do you even go from there? You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. I think it's interesting because that stat for me um, also brings forward the, the concept of wellness and I, I, uh, I firmly believe that each of us is responsible for our own wellness. And when you have 89% of people burned out right now, that tells me we're not doing a super good job of caring for ourselves. And that's got to start with that personal accountability. Um, burnout is real. It can impact so much of your health uh, beyond just your well-being, beyond your professional capability. Um, health is front and center. So I, I would say for, for starters, if you're going to set late work hours, you must have built-in breaks over the course of the day. And those have to be real meaningful breaks. They don't have to be long, but you've got to do the 20-minute walk. Um, you've got to step back from the computer. Uh, maybe you've got to talk to your leader about not being on camera all the time. I'm finding people, uh, really, that drives a lot of fatigue right now. The flexibility and the sponsorship to be able to get up and move around while you're on the phone. Um, if I'm a pacer. So for me, uh, having to be on Zoom 24-7 is challenging. Hmm. Those are the kinds of things we've got to start by, by I'll take that wellness piece first out of that topic, right? That's, we've got to be responsible for that. It's, uh, it's just so important right now. And, yeah. and Christian's part of that, all those things. You know, it's interesting listening to you talk about this because you also focus a lot on customer experience. And even for me as a, a business owner, one of the biggest challenges I had, even before I hopped on this interview, I was checking my LinkedIn and somebody had messaged me that we had canceled one of their, so we get applications for people to work with me privately and we decline more than half of the applications because it's an application. We're seeing if it's a fit for us. And it's interesting because I was noticing that the customer, that there's customers or potential clients who 
get offended when I, our, my team decides that it's not a fit for me and, you know, we decline their application. And for me, it's been a lifesaver because I am constantly looking for how to stay well and how not to overextend myself by being on the phone when I'm not supposed to be or serving my clients better. And so sometimes even for me as an entrepreneur, I feel like a burnout and exhaustion from that little extra 5% of satisfying those customers that have expectations of me when I feel like I'm doing a good job protecting myself and my my well-being. Um, how do you kind of find that sweet spot of excellent customer service? I know I want to ask you a little bit about the future of services and how they're evolving from an employee standpoint. So I'm curious... Like, how do we as business owners or as leaders in corporate navigate those customers who want more from us and we want to give, but we also, I don't know, kind of have to draw the line in the sand somewhere? I think it's right now, uh, I think a lot of it is about having that conversation. Um, there's a lot of emotion in general right now in the market. Um, the small things have become big things just by virtue of the way we're all operating. So I think it's very meaningful right now to be able to step back and, and be very fact-based with people when you're having this kind of a conversation. Um, that's not something we talk about a lot with service. We talk about going the extra mile. We talk about um, genuine connection, but there's also this sense of explaining in a fact-based and, and authentic way why something is going a particular way. And there's a lot of nuance to that. I mean, you never want to be, um, you never want to be sort of, sort of harsh or overly focused on the fact. It's got to be done with diplomacy and finesse. But I do think that people appreciate some authentic and real uh, conversation around why service is a certain way or why we can't take on a certain client. We have the same situation at the Ritz-Carlton. We look for really strong alignment um, in our leadership practice around clients that share our philosophical approach to employee engagement and customer experience and the connection between those two. And when we find a potential client that wants to focus only on the service experience with the customer and not really address the employee experience, that might not be the best fit for us. And so we take the time to really explain that uh, philosophical approach and why that flows through to our engagement strategy. And I find clients really appreciate it when you take the time to explain. Mm. So that's a big piece for us. Love that. Okay. And kind of getting back into this idea of resilience, so many uh, people right now, I think, feel a sense of insecurity in their jobs, like whether their employer is making changes and their role isn't as relevant or their employer is doing layoffs. Um, what recommendation do you have just in general around career management, like somebody who wants to grow their career during this time and they're trying to be sensitive to the fact that things are changing and they're kind of wondering, like, is now even the time for me to be focused on managing my career in any way? U-turn friends, I'm so excited to talk to you about my new couch. And I know that sounds super weird, but I fell in absolute love with the Feathers couch over at Value Furniture. It's V-A-L-Y-O-U Furniture. I was so obsessed with it. I reached out to them to sponsor this episode and I'm so grateful that they did. I got their Feathers couch, which is so incredible, so comfy, and also it's washable. So every single time I take Jupiter on a walk around New York City and he gets dirt in his paws and he lays on the couch, 
I'm able to unzip it, wash it, and it looks good as new. So our friends over at Value Furniture were nice enough to give us a discount code over at ashleystahl.com slash value. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L dot com slash V-A-L-Y-O-U. Value Furniture is changing the game when it comes to your furniture. Make sure that you use the code U-TURN, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N at checkout for 5% off your order. It is just so incredible, the high-end things that they are providing at the prices that they do. I hope you love it. Again, ashleystall.com slash value, V-A-L-Y-O-U with the code U-TURN. And I'm sure if you check me out on Instagram, you'll be seeing me laying on that couch all day long because I'm so obsessed. Anyway, back to this episode. I would say, so the the career topic is one I love. Um, And we can certainly come back to resiliency because I certainly think it's connected. But there's always, in my view, two philosophical approaches around managing career during uh, what I would call kind of a crisis moment or an inflection point in either your industry, in the market, in the world. And I find two kinds of people. People who look at that as like, this is the perfect go time. There is so much change happening around me. It's the perfect time to embrace the change, find my mojo, find those companies that are also prepared to go through sort of transformations and find my skill fit. Or you've got people kind of on the other end that say, this is very, change is scary. And what I really want to do right now is kind of find that sense of security, batten down the hatches and you know, really stay, stay put in and excel in my current role. So I think the first stop on that, on, on what to do and how to manage your career is to figure out which of those people you are. Um, for me, I've always been that person that looks at the chaos and, and the change and goes, this is, this is go time. Um, this is the time where you figure out, you know, what are those skills you've historically had in your toolkit and how are you going to apply them to innovate, create and change whatever it might be, the market, the next company, um, the customer experience, the employee experience, creativity thrives right now. And if you're someone who's going to stay really focused on staying put, this is the time to shine. Pick up that stretch project. Think about not working harder because, again, we just talked about the concept of burnout, but tapping into those things you love about your current role and finding ways to that energy and that focus that really drives um, your performance. Mm, Here's out who you are. Yeah, beautiful. And you know, I I love that you're what you're pointing out here is it's, it's all in our head. You know what I mean? Like every situation can invite a completely opposing mindset. So you're right. Some people are like, oh, this is a time of change. Things are getting shaken up. Let me put my shingle in the ground and say where I want to be in this whole storm of change. And then other people are like, oh my gosh, so much change is happening. I need to hold on tighter to where I am and and be more scared or be more careful. Um, So you have some different tips on how to build resilience. And I really loved the idea of picking the right mentor. We had talked about that a little bit before I hit the record button. And I'm curious for everybody listening, I know mentorship is a really hot topic. It's changed my life to have the right mentor. I've discovered three different types of mentors. Like one in my life is the wise old owl who kind of has been there and done that. They've made their money, they've sown their oats, and they're just, they just enjoy hearing from me and hearing about, you know, my career and supporting me with different wisdom. The second type I've had in my life right now is a paid mentor. I'm always paying somebody 
to help me up my game in my business, be a better coach, um, any sorts of personal goals as well. And then the third I know a lot of people have in the workplace is a sponsor, which is the person who kind of at, at the workplace who puts you forward for opportunities or advocates for you. And maybe they're just kind of like that friend in a higher place at a company. Um, what's your perspective on mentorship and how do you recommend people approach it? Well, I love those three categories. Those are fabulous to start with. Um, I think what's what's worked really well for me is also to look at a mentor through the lens of uh, someone who is very, very different than you. Um, I had a leader at one point in my career uh, who I'd gone through a performance review with, and she said, look, you're really, really great at these like three things, but there's this part of your personality and your style um, where you could really do some growth and some development. You should really find a mentor that is focused on those. And that's really there. That's where they shine. And that's your opportunity to, to, to learn brand new skills, to try on some new things. So I really encourage people in thinking about mentorship to look for someone very different, mm -hmm. uh, than you. I find people tend to gravitate with a lot of mentors towards people that are comfortable, mm -hmm. people you can go have coffee with, they feel good to you, they're a safe space, they're going to comfort you, they're going to encourage you, and that's a great kind of mentor to have. But I also think many of us could benefit from hearing about areas we need to grow and having somebody that's really got that as a core skill set and is willing to lay it out and challenge us. Mm. I that's know a kind of mentor I think is important. Yeah. Well, and I'm listening to you and I'm thinking to myself, a lot of people are like, I don't even know how to attract anybody to be my mentor. Like there's something very intimidating about asking a person to be your mentor. And there's something I, to me that feels really wonky about that. Like, will you be my mentor? It feels very not natural. So I'm curious, like from a perspective of how to even get the ball rolling on having options, let alone someone different than you, what do you suggest people do or how do you suggest they approach their career or their world right now to start kind of drumming up, you know, options. Cause I feel like it can be tempting to kind of spray and pray and just like email a bunch of people like, will you be my mentor? And I know that's probably not the look we're going for. I totally agree. <laughs> I am. I, I am a huge fan of coming in with a specific point of view, your chances of locating a mentor and actually finding someone who will spend the time with you, I think go up substantially if you are thoughtful about what you're looking for. And LinkedIn can be a great avenue. Um, your own company can be a great avenue as you look around and you look for somebody who is maybe that next rung um, beyond you or a peer that you just admire. I think oftentimes that's something that can be very valuable. But what I think works really well is to come with a point of view. Mm. I don't think it's a great plan to ask someone to be your mentor. I agree with you. I think that feels wonky. My preference and what has worked for people that have approached me to be a mentor is to come and say, I'm at this place in my career and I'm interested in developing these three new skills. I believe you have these skills. That's why I'm interested in having a conversation with you. That kind of specificity really works for me. As opposed to just the broad, as you just said, spray and pray. Like if you come to me and just say, Hey, will you be my mentor? My answer is probably going to be no. 
Yeah, it's like I feel like it's like going into the dating pool and being like, who wants to date me? It's just this like disempowered approach. So I love I love that idea of being specific. Um, I feel like everyone wants to feel like chosen. And I think that is the case even with job hunting. Like one of the biggest mistakes I think people make in job interviews is leaving without relaying to the employer. Like I want to work for you. I'm not just a job seeker wanting to work for a job anywhere. Like I want to work for you. And when you can create that, that's so powerful. So when somebody's thinking about someone who's different than them, I always think of a mentor who's someone who has kind of evolved past where you are. What's your take on that? Do you think that we don't necessarily need mentors who are further along than us in their our career? Or um, what insights would you have for people to be in a situation where they're behind their computer right now? How do they start finding those people um, and getting in touch with them? Uh, I think, uh, first of all, mentors come in all shapes and sizes. And I don't think they always have to be um, professional mentors. You may find someone um, at your gym that feels dedicated and motivated and they're, they are clearly, you know, they clearly show up, turn up and work hard to drive a goal. That may be a type of skill that you're working through. So that may be an opportunity to find a very skill-specific mentor. Mm -hmm. People struggle with time management. Some people struggle. I mean, those are all things you can find in places outside of work. They don't have to be work mentors. Um, I think when it comes to finding someone who's further along in their career, those can be valuable. I think one of the challenges is finding the fit, though. Again, back to being specific. If you're going to ask for a leader's time you have to be able to specify what you want specifically from them. Is this a, um, I'm figuring out how to change industries and I know you've done it. So I'd love to talk to you about how you did it. Or is this a, I'm struggling with project management. You have run some big global projects. I'd love to get your take on, you know, how do you go about building that muscle? It's gotta, it's gotta be a, a skill specific conversation. I love this. Okay. And I know that, you know, everybody's struggling with something else. And so I love that you kind of point out, like, think about where you're, because I think some people, when they pick a mentor, it's like, okay, I want somebody that can help me, but I don't want them to know that I'm not a great, strong person. And then they lack that vulnerability. So I think it's wonderful to come straight out of the gate being like, this is something I struggle with that you clearly have down. Can we connect? But what about this idea of the other person wanting to respond? Because I get that being tailored and, you know, admiring somebody for something specific is a draw. But I know that we live in a universe of reciprocity and people want to feel like their time is going somewhere that is valuable for them. So do you have any suggestions um, for somebody who wants to get that person where they can feel like somebody that is everybody's worthy, but worth that person's time? Uh, Well, you know, I think for everybody, I I personally, I have learned so much from mentees. I look, I have a couple of um, people that, that I mentor that are Gen Z. And as much as we talk about uh, some really important topics around you getting into the workforce and thinking about work styles and, you know, how to communicate and thrive with different generational challenges. They are challenging me and changing my leadership style. And I so look forward to those conversations because every single time we have one, I take away five or six new things that I put into practice in my own um, leadership 
toolkit. So it can be very bi-directional. And so I think it's about picking both the mentee, finding someone who's going to drive value for them, but also for a mentor, there's a lot of opportunity for growth uh, through that process. So I like to look at it through both lenses. Love this. Okay. And um, I want to talk a little bit just around building resilience with your team and with your resources. Like one thing for me as like a bootstrapped entrepreneur is that there were so many times that I just couldn't yet invest in a team because I was busy paying myself or just making things break even or even in debt. Um, How do you kind of tap into that resilience when you're creating something? I know a lot of people, even if they're not entrepreneurs, they're on a team and they have a budget and their boss is just like, deal with this budget and we can't afford to hire another person. So you need to get this done. Um, How do you kind of position maybe that argument of like, hey, look, you need to think about you know, building out this team or just what insights do you have around that as it relates to resilience? So every time you're faced with an opportunity, and I look at those as opportunities, it is very easy when you are resource rich to invest everywhere and anywhere you would like. And wouldn't we all be lucky to be in that situation? But part of resilience is rising through adversity. So not having Uh, the full complement of resources that you might like to have drives that scrappy, gritty nature that in turn builds muscle. So all of us have had to find ways, particularly this year, to make do with less. And out of that has risen so many amazing ideas that we see all around us. So as I think it's very tempting when you're resource constrained to focus on the constraint And I like to flip it on its head and think about how do we drive something really new and creative? How do we think about this in a whole new way? Reframe the the issue or reframe the challenge and let's come up with a cost-effective or no-cost solution. And today, especially when it's constraints of of, uh, financial um, issues. But those are things, I just think it's a challenge. Put on your creativity and look, sometimes you're just going to say that's got to, maybe the solution is that's got to wait. Yeah. Simply has to wait. That's, you know, but before you do that, let's think about all the different ways we could tackle this from different angles. Are we really framing up the issue the right way or the challenge the right way? Could we go in a different direction? Um, can we barter with another team that maybe has a different challenge? Um, do we have someone on our team who's maybe uh, got some skills we, we, we haven't ever really thought about before? There's so many ways to tackle that. And I think what we mostly need right now is a big dose of creativity and positivity when we're faced with some of these issues. Are you tired of feeling tired? There's one phase of sleep that almost everybody fails to get enough of, and it's called deep sleep. This is responsible for most of your body's daily rejuvenation, repair, hunger, weight loss, hormones, energy, and so much more. And chances are, if you're not loving your sleep, you're not loving your life. And one of the biggest reasons people don't get enough sleep, especially the deep state, is because they're deficient in magnesium. Since magnesium is responsible for 300 to 600 different biochemical reactions in your body, if you don't get enough, you're likely to struggle with sleep, energy, metabolism, pain, and stress. So this is why I was inspired to share the magnesium breakthrough product I've been using 
every evening from Bio-Optimizers. This is by far the most complete magnesium product I've ever heard of with the optimal ratio of seven essential types of magnesium. Most magnesium supplements only have two or three different types of the nutrient, which is still not moving the needle like Bio-Optimizers does. Head on over to www.magbreakthrough.com slash U-turn. That's www.magbreakthrough dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. And make sure you use the U-turn code for 10% off your order. I absolutely am loving the Mag Breakthrough product, game changer, and I hope you enjoy the 10% off. Also, for a limited time, BioOptimizers is giving away free bottles of their best-selling products, P3OM and HCL, with select purchase. So don't wait. Head on over to magbreakthrough.com slash U-Turn right now to get your 10% discount, plus the chance to get more than $50 of supplements for free. Mm, Love this. And creativity can be so underrated and you know, speaking of the future of work and soft skills, I know creativity in addition to vulnerability and adaptability are just super key skills. Um, what else have I not asked you about the future of work, about resilience that you feel like everybody should really consider? Because I know you're just a wealth of knowledge on all of this. I think when it comes to building resilience, there's um, there's two concepts I, I would put forward for everyone. Right now, I think there's a really great opportunity to tackle an activity and think about an activity that maybe you've always wanted to try back to just getting your mind off work, fighting burnout, pick something not work related, an activity you've always wanted to try new language, maybe a new outdoor um, sport that, you know, you've, you've always been a little concerned to try. Now is the time to try that and to use it to actively build your resilience. So stepping through the process of making the choice to do it in the first place, knowing it might not be comfortable. And then every time you have a challenge doing it, thinking about working through that process. So that's the first thing I would say, kind of a double whammy there. Work on building resilience and also work on your own personal kind of mindset and wellness, something away from work. Um, the second thing I would say is, is I love, I'm, I'm an athlete. I love um, mountaineering, rock climbing, being outdoors. And one of the things this earlier this year, I decided to take on a, on a new training program. And like you, Ashley, I got a coach, right? I paid a coach to kind of come and, and help me figure this out because I really believe in that model. And one of the things that struck me going through this process was the concept of not going hard all the time. Mm. And I had been under that impression. I need to go out and every time I work out, I need to go leave it all on the field. Mm-hmm. And I was actually really undermining my performance because I wasn't taking the time to build a base and to build a base. Sometimes it's low and slow. Mm-hmm. And that is something I really brought back to my life said, I don't have to go. And none of us have to go all out all the time. Sometimes you have to step back and think about, have you really built your base? And is it time to think about slowing down certain parts of of your life and reestablishing a rhythm 
that can help you really accelerate when you need to. So I think the tie between resilience, performance, and athletics can be really strong, even for those of us that aren't, you know, athletes, um, slowing down and sometimes help you accelerate. Mm, I love that advice. And I didn't get that until later in my life because I was operating under efficiency and I learned, you know, it's like relationships aren't built on efficiency, you know, like that's not how connection is built. And it's like, we try to be efficient with our decisions. And yet if we move so fast, we're constantly having to play cleanup and clean up these little messes that in actuality, it's like, are we actually being efficient? I think people have that with commitment too, where they think I'm so committed and they commit to too many things. And then it's like, you're not actually committed. So really amazing. I'm so appreciative of you coming on to the show. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the nature of your work over at the you know center and what kind of problems you're helping people solve right now? So we're spending a lot of time, we're an advisory firm and a, and a uh, knowledge transfer training firm based on the best practices of the Ritz-Carlton. And I'd say right now, we're really spending a lot of time on kind of three, three core topics. One is, is the importance right now of, of organizational culture. A lot of companies have really um, put this to the, to the front of their agendas, focused on employee engagement, employee wellness, and like, how does that pull through and define an entire organization? So there's a lot of projects going on around that. The next one is really around kind of the future of work. How will uh, work change long-term based on the the changes we're seeing um, from the global pandemic? Whether that's remote work, it's burnout, uh, it's welcoming people back into a physical office, how will that change? Uh, so that's a set of kind of projects and topics. And then the last one is kind of really thinking about customer experience through this new lens of um, digital versus um, in person. How are expectations changing? What are the trends? I mean, the, the pandemic has changed that segment forever. It, 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 the lessons, the challenges, the buying behavior, whether we return ultimately to more in-person as a focus, um, the behavior of the consumer is forever changed. So working with, with companies to think about that um, through an opening lens, through a um, reestablishing lens, those three projects are really central to us right now. Mm, love this. And um, if somebody wants to keep learning from you, where can they find you, follow you? Um, give me the details. <laughs> Hey, uh, link, LinkedIn for the Leadership Center, also um, my personal LinkedIn, and our website for the Leadership Center is a wealth of information, so I would encourage people to uh, to check that out. We blog. Um, we're always uh, thinking about white papers and thought leadership, so two great outlets. Mm, thank you again. Thanks, Ashley. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And again, thank you so much to our sponsors, Organifi, Soul CBD, SaneBox, and so much more. We are here because of you and our listeners. Thanks so much for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people we trust and for listening to the show, for writing reviews. Can't wait to talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, 
and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.